Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Well, welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment, wait, you guys. Wait, okay. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. All right. What? Okay, now go. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Now I got to think about it again. <laughs> Welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment, you guys. It's uh, Ashley Chandler and Jim Parkin again. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome, welcome. That was take two. <laughs> take two. That, we need that clacker thing. Oh, I know. Clack. I love it. Clack. So... How's it going? It's been a good week. I, I, every week's been good. I'm excited for, you know, kids are supposed to start school for us August 31st. We yeah. keep taking one step forward. So, no, we've been good. How about you? Been good. Work's been super busy. You know, that's, it's only been two days yeah. this week. So, yeah. Yeah. But the both days have been, been pretty fast paced. So, that's all right. So, all right, should we get started? Yeah, I'm excited so, for this time. So, it's big stuff tonight. I'm excited for it. So, yeah, I'm yeah. ready to dive in. So, for we're going to kind of do it a little different tonight for you guys listening. Um, so, what I want to do is I want to tell the story of the cross, of the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. Obviously, all believers know that's really like the, the pinnacle moment for us, you know. Um, so we're going to run through it a little bit differently. So what I'm going to do is because a lot of us are medically minded, you know, have that kind of skill set. So I'm going to break down clinically what was happening to Jesus's body as he was going through the crucifixion. This is just crazy to me. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> what? This is just crazy. I just all the meadow because right. we kind of touched on some of this, like I think a couple of years ago, but it's just nuts because yeah. I think... When you really understand some of the mechanics of this, like your faith has to, right. you, it's a greater faith because there's a greater understanding of, you know, of, of exactly, right? <laughs> right. Of this thing, this excruciating, well, that's, well, crucifixion, the word excruciating, that's where it comes from. Oh, really? Crucifixion. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Like, and it was typically, I was reading today where the crucifixions were saved for the like the worst of the worst yes. violent, yes. typically male offenders. Yes. So, like, to use because more they were, terminology, it, yeah. it was also to set an example. Like we're right. we're doing this on display, so everybody that walks by you right. knows, hey, don't do what they did, type of thing, too. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, we're gonna on the front end of this before we get going here. I'm gonna just throw out there to you know keep checking us out on social media and. You know, thanks for listening. But so tonight when we're done, we're just going to kind of be done. Yeah. So there's not going to be any post-show chatter. Sounds good. So Sounds good. with that said, when, after this episode, if you have questions, always feel free to hit hit us up on the Facebook Messenger. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yep. All right. Here we go. Here we go. So, <laughs> Ashley, you start us off with, like, how do we get to... We'll we'll basically start from in the garden praying. Jesus knows what's about to happen. Right. So Jesus, they did the Last Supper, which was with uh, right. Jesus and his twelve disciples. And so 
they go out and the whole intention is for Jesus to go out and pray. And so he tells his disciples to keep watch, you know, be, be in prayer. And, um, I, th- I believe one of the, so if you don't know, there's four gospels in, and I, I was honestly confused by this, um, as a new believer too, that there's four books in the Bible that all tell Jesus' story. Um, but in one of them, it says he went about a stone's throw away and went to pray. And, um, it's, it's phenomenal. And it says at one point that he was praying so intensely that drops of blood were like coming off the sides of his brow that he was just praying so intensely. Um, right. And so, cause, and then shortly thereafter, um, the, the priests and all the guys come out to come collect Jesus (laughs) to basically go take him before Pilate and, um, get them all set up to yeah they're they're putting on they want to put them on trial trial they want to catch them for all the things that right. they want to hook them up for so right and mainly they're what they're mad at what they what they have on them the beef and it's the like the jewish leaders the pharisees right and their mm-hmm. their beef with him is that he has claimed himself the son of god which is blasphemy right Right. And in, in, in that faith, that's absolute blasphemy. Right. Right. So we fast forward. They've arrested him. And now he's, you know, he's talking to Pontius Pilate, who doesn't really, it's not clicking with him. He doesn't feel like he has anything on him. Right. So initially, Pilate just wants to, at one point in the in the narrative, he says, well, if you want him, you take him. But, you know, I'm not, I got nothing to charge him. Right. Right. And then... What's interesting, too, about talking about this tonight is that we're in a political landscape, and this is kind of what happens next is a political move where the Pharisees, you know, they out Pontius Pilate and say, well, you're no, you're no friend of Caesar. Right. So they're wanting to not have it on them, but kind of have it somebody else right. giving them permission to do what they want to do. Right. And I think, doesn't he get sent before Herod or something, too? Jesus? Yeah. I think so. So there's there's this whole... And in the meantime, um, Jesus has also been beaten, too. So there's this whole... Right. There's all this stuff going on. And finally, um, I mean, the whole crowd now is, like, freaking out. And in that right. season, I don't know what they were celebrating currently, if it was just recently, like, that Passover... Passover. Um, and so normally they would they would allow what they would release a prisoner for wh- whatever that they mm-hmm. were. So the crowd and all these folks are screaming like, "Give us Barabbas," which is this rebellion, murderer, right. horrible person, and they want Barabbas released and Jesus crucified. And so it's all right. this chaos. Like so, and finally, Pilate says it, he literally washes his hands in front of the whole assembly, like crowd of people, and says, "This is on you. <laughs> I'm I'm giving him to you. I'm right. releasing Barabbas, but this is on you now." Um, and right. the whole assembly is just screaming, "It'll be on us and our children, our children." Like they're just lunacy at this point because they're so angry right. and and just. Christ like took everything that they knew about everything and and was turning everything upside down. Um, right. So it was yeah it was it was 
pretty intense. Right. And so, like, like you, Ashley, mentioned, so there was, before all this, there was, you know, Pilate agreed to a flogging, essentially, right? He said, okay, well. Yes. We'll, we'll give him a flogging. Because he or, was trying to see, like, says, I'll just, I'll get him flogged and, and maybe that will appease them. So right. th- that yep. was part of it too, right? Right. So that, that was, so if you're looking at it like in a modern day landscape, that's what they were doing. They were trying to appease, essentially appease his constituents. Right. So, so it says here, I'm reading on just off Google here. So Jesus was whipped, but then that wasn't enough. So the, uh, the head guard or the head Roman soldier in charge of the flogging, um, what they did, they call it a scourging, where now he's tied to this post in an upright position, and then they they whipped him with what's known as a cat of nine tails. Right. So that would just be another form of whip, but then if you know what that is, you know what it is. But it basically, it goes off into multiple pieces of this leather, and then at the end of the leather, there's metal balls and pieces of bone and wood and all this other stuff. Yes. So... His back and legs and butt and stuff are just being ripped apart. So his open flesh. So, you know, so his whole back is torn apart and open. And this is prior to, you know, the the cross. So, like, fast-forwarding, like Ashley said, Pilate gives up Barabbas, you know, a, a known murderer, and sends Jesus to be crucified. So what I've always, I've, I've heard this before, and, and like really quickly, we say that, that Jesus is, you know, uh, God in man form, living a perfect sin-free life, and then to go through this crucifixion. Right. So if you think about it, what we have here is Jesus is about to carry a cross made from wood that he spoke into existence <laughs> to die on. So... That's where we are now. So he, this huge cross, and he's already dehydrated. His back and his butt and his the backs of his thighs are shredded, and he, now he's carrying his his cross up to be crucified. So, for time's sake, we'll just we're going to fast forward to the now the Roman soldiers are going to place him on this cross, right? So they normally they would tie the prisoner or the person being crucified with ropes or maybe leather straps. I don't know. But so they tie him. And then with Jesus in his, in his situation, they nailed him through his feet and hands. And then, of course, they stand the cross up. So now what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go through um, clinically for us medical folks, kind of how all this breaks down. Okay. So like I started with, They say it's the most painful death ever invented by man, and it's where we get our term excruciating. They say it was reserved for primarily the most vicious of male criminals. Okay, so also as as a side note, and we see in scripture and Matthew 26 and 29, uh, Jesus says, but I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you and my father's kingdom. Mm. So the, what has happened is the Roman soldiers, they offered him this anesthetic wine. 
to, you know, <laughs> numb the senses maybe, <laughs> perhaps a little before he, he goes through this. So he refuses that. Now Jesus is stripped naked. You know, this was, this is just the way it had to be. And then the guards, they split up his clothing. Yeah. Now they say that his robe was seamless. So it was just sewn perfect from top to bottom. So they, they cast lots. Basically they rolled dice for it. Right. Um, so as we know, we've established that crucifixion is slow and painful most times it would take days, you know, hours, but usually several days for the person to die. So having been nailed to the cross, Jesus is now is in a, he's in an impossible anatomical position to maintain life, obviously. So his knees were flexed at, flexed at about 45 degrees, if you can imagine that, <laughs> right? So he's forced to wait bear all his weight of his muscles on his thighs. Okay. Like, so his whole body weight now is at that position, right? It says, which is not anatomical position, which is possible to maintain for more than a few minutes without severe cramps. Right. Let alone that, like you were saying, part of his thighs and everything would have been torn apart from the whipping right. and everything. So too. he's already and right. So there would be muscle involvement and possibly tendon involvement with that. From that, from that scourging. So he's already, yeah, so we're already there. We're already possibly real close to dehydration and exhaustion. They forced him to carry the cross to be crucified on. So now it says Jesus' weight was borne on his feet with the nails driven through him, which is probably shredding muscle and nerve and tendon right. and obviously bone. As the strength of Jesus' muscles... Uh, start to tire, the weight of his body had to be transformed to his wrists and arms and his shoulders. It says, within a few minutes of being placed on the cross, his shoulders were dislocated. Then moments later, because now he has no, the, not the mus muscle support of his shoulders, now his elbows and wrists also become dislocated. <sighs> so if you can imagine, like, my shoulder's been dislocated before, just one of them, and only for a few minutes. And it was horrible. Dude, I had you know I had I mean? a rib out of place once. It, like, flared out. And <laughs> right. I, I couldn't move yeah. my torso. I was in so much pain. I couldn't right. get out of bed. It hurt so bad. Right. <laughs> so the result of the, the upper limbs, those, the upper limb dislocations is that his arms were nine inches longer than normal. Wow. And in scripture and in, in old pictures, that's how it's shown on the shroud. That's why his, his arms look longer. Oh, really? Side okay. note. It says, in addition, in addition, prophecy was fulfilled in Psalm 22 and 14. I am poured out like water mm -hmm. and all of my bones are out of joint. It's just crazy. I think in one of those two where it talks about um, his clothes being casted like for, la you know, I mean, mm -hmm. was there 600 prophecies that he fulfilled? Like over six hundred. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so. There's, uh -huh. it's incredible. It's just absolutely incredible. So, it says, after Jesus's wrists, elbows, and shoulders were dislocated, the weight of his body on his upper limbs caused traction forces on the the pectoris, the pectoralis major muscles of his chest wall. So this is just, 
just tearing okay. and pulling, you know, and just the, these traction forces caused his rib cage to be pulled upwards and outwards in a most unnatural state. His chest wall was permanently in a position of maximal respiratory inspiration. Mm. So that means, you, you know what I mean? You understand no, what that I is? No, I have no so, idea. I'm, I'm trying to visualize it right now. <laughs> so basically, so if you take a deep breath in, you know how your body, your chest expands. Mm-hmm. Now you hold your breath and your chest stays that way. What this is saying is that it's just chest would just stay that way. Okay. So now when you exhale, right, when you exhale, then your lungs force air out and your chest, your body, your torso comes back down into a more normal position. What it's saying is that he would be unable to do that. So suffocating. Right. Right. So it says in order to breathe out, Jesus had to push down on the nails in his feet to raise his body to allow his rib cage to move downwards and inwards to expire air from his lungs. So whereas, whereas for us, our diaphragm is involuntary causing us to be able to breathe in and breathe out. So now he's in a position because his ribs, his rib cage and upper body is in traction because of the way it was pulled because of the dislocations. Now he can't do that. So now he has to push up on his broken feet and his cramped legs with shredded backsides and in order to exhale. And then when he would tire, then he would automatically inhale. So (laughs) this is where we are. So it says his lungs were in a resting position of constant maximum inspiration. This is a side note. This really stood out to me, this next line. It says crucifixion is a medical catastrophe. So I want you guys that are listening to listen to that. Hear that again. Crucifixion is a medical catastrophe. Because a lot of these things, like the torn flesh, we can fix that. Dislocation, we can fix that too. Rib, rib cage traction, I'm sure that's happened to somebody, and they can fix that. But all of these things are piling on and piling right. on and piling right. on. The problem was that Jesus could not push easily down on the nails in his feet because the muscles of his legs, bent at 45 degrees, were extremely fatigued, severely cramped, and in an anatomically compromised position. The crucifixion victim, it says, so Jesus was physiologically forced to move up and down on the cross a distance of about 12 inches in order to breathe. So this is like, we're just barely into this, you guys, and this is where we are. So the process of respiration caused excruciating pain mixed with the absolute terror of asphyxiation, which is true. Like if you've ever done the, the, the test where you take a bunch of like stir sticks, if you take like 20 of them, you can breathe through them pretty comfortably. But then if you try to breathe through one, that's a, that's a pretty good illustration of what it's like to be suffocating. Okay. So, mm. I mean, just imagine anybody who's ever had trouble breathing, imagine that in between all the pain of just trying to breathe, he's got a natural state of feeling like he's suffocating. Right. As this six hours of crucifixion wore on, Jesus was less and less able to bear his weight on his legs. His thigh and calf muscles became increasingly exhausted. There was an increasing dislocation of his wrists, elbows, and shoulders, and further elevation of his chest, 
making the breathing more and more difficult. So as the weight of his body and he's tiring and the weight of his body is pulling down on the cross, what is saying? What this is saying is just pulling his chest into more traction okay. and everything's more dislocated. He's just literally getting pulled apart. Getting pulled apart and he'd be extremely uh, short of breath. His movements up and down on the cross to breathe cause excruciating pain in his wrists, feet, and dislocated elbows and shoulders. The movements became less frequent as Jesus became increasingly exhausted, but the terror of imminent death by asphyxiation forced him to continue his efforts to breathe. So what we're at now is we're not quite at the point where all prophecies have been fulfilled, right? right? We aren't quite there yet, so he has to keep on through this mission. This man's whole life mission was to this point. In the garden... He prayed, Father, I, you know, if, if it's possible in any way for this cup to pass from me, let it pass. Right. But your will be done. This is right. the whole, you know, additional insanity of the gospel is that Christ didn't just, he did all of this obediently and willingly so that we would all right. be saved through his death on the cross. And even when he went before Pilate, and he, they were asking him questions like they they say you say you're the son of God, and you know all these questions and and Jesus wouldn't respond to them. He wasn't going to argue his way out. He wasn't in a like oh crap I got to get myself out of here. He went before him knowing what was going to happen and knowing what he was going there for. And even um, when he's up on the cross. People are mocking him like, hey, you know, you said you're the son of God, like get yourself down from there. And even one of the prisoners, because there was two men on either side that were crucified with him. Right. And the one saying, like, get us right. down from here, get yourself down. Like if you're really who you say you are. Um, and so he could have gotten himself down, but it would have like you're saying it, it would have taken away the entire mission of what he was there to do, what he was there to accomplish. So he continues on, right? Right. On this horrible mission. And now we're at the point where from moving up and down, every single time he moves, if you can imagine nails have been driven through his wrists, you know, for our, our, our docs and nurses and our folks that have just gone through anatomy and physiology, then his two shattered median nerves in his wrist explode every single time he moves. I don't know if you have nerve pain in your in a tooth, you know, and you can imagine, you know what that pain's like. So every movement he's having, both wrists just explode, mm-hmm. explode into pain. You know, he's covered in blood and sweat. You know, he's he still has blood and he's still in pain from the scourging that nearly killed him, right? So with all that pain, will come involuntary attempts to breathe, you know? So, like, all this stuff, and he's in shock now. And and on top of all that, now you have he's naked in front of everyone, struggling in agony, and his mom is watching all this happen, you know? So, physiologically, it says we're at... A point now where it says physiologically Jesus's body was undergoing a series of catastrophic and terminal events. Now we know they're terminal because we know that the point is that he dies on the cross, 
But again, I just want to point out the suffering that went into it. It says, because Jesus could not maintain adequate ventilation of his lungs, he was now in a state of hypoventilation, which is just medical for inadequate ventilation. His blood blood oxygen level, or what we call SpO2. Remember when you were with me in the rig and I put the little thing on the finger? Yeah, yeah. That's SpO2. That's measuring the level of oxygen in the blood. Okay. That's crazy that a little thing can do that through the skin. (laughs) Right. (laughs) In addition, because of restricted respiratory movements, now his blood carbon dioxide level begins to rise. Now he's becoming hypoxic because there's no, there's low blood oxygen, which is going to wreak havoc on him. And he's also becoming hyper, uh, having hypercapnia, which is saying he's got too much carbon dioxide or CO2, which is what you're blowing off when you exhale. Right. So all these things are not only is he in tons of pain and suffering in that way, but now his body chemistry is starting to fail. The rising CO2 level stimulated his heart to beat faster in order to increase the delivery of oxygen and removal of CO2. The respiratory center in Jesus' brain is sending urgent messages to his lungs to breathe faster. So now, involuntarily, he's beginning to pant. That's what would happen. Physiological reflexes demanded that he took deeper breaths and he involuntarily moved up and down the cross much faster despite the excruciating pain kind of that fight or flight thing you feel like you're suffocating you can do whatever the agonizing movement spontaneously started several times a minute to delight the crowd who jeered him roman the roman shoulders and the sanhedrin however due to the nailing of jesus to the cross and his increasing exhaustion he was unable to provide more oxygen to oxygenate oxygen starved body okay the twin forces of hypoxia, too little oxygen, and hypercapnia, too much CO2, causes heart to beat faster and faster, and now he's tachycardic. So now, I mean, he would have been anyways from the pain, but now probably his heart rate is climbing close to 200. And Jesus had drunk nothing for 15 hours since 6 p.m. the previous evening. Right. So that's prior to being beaten. He was bleeding from all over his body, the crown of thorns on his head, nails in his wrists and feet, lacerations from from the beatings, and from falling down, because I'm sure he fell down several times. Well, and at some the point they had, they it says they got a man named Simon of Serene. That apparently, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So at, yeah. at some point, Jesus was not being efficient enough in carrying his own cross, so they pulled some right. guy from the crowd to do it for him. Right. So says he was already dehydrated. His blood pressure fell alarmingly. So now they have him at a blood pressure. So he's in shock, basically. Okay. So now his blood pressure, which is perfect blood pressure, which I'm sure he had prior to all this, is 120 over 80. But we have them. They say probably now he's about 80 over 50. And that's just, you know, first signs of shock. Hypovolemia, low blood volume, makes the heart beat faster. uh, Tachypnea means excessively fast breathing rate. You know, 
and with all those things, he'd also be like soup, like sweating more frequently or hyperhidrosis, excessive sweating. Okay. It says about by about noon, Jesus' heart probably began to fail. His lungs probably began to fill with, with fluid uh, or what's known as pulmonary edema. This only it's this is only going to serve. It's going to just exacerbate everything else that's already happening. He's already compromised, and now all these now he's just in multi system failure, is what we call it, because right. all the different parts, all the different organs and and systems are starting to starting to kind of fail out. So he's in heart failure and respiratory failure, and Jesus says, "I thirst." Because his body now is, is just, he can't help it. He, he's so dehydrated. His system's just crying out for fluid. So he says, I thirst. You know, and like in reality, in modern day, if we found somebody in this position, they'd be immediately in surgery. There'd be several blood transfusions. They would give them blood and plasma and all these things. They'd, you know, yeah. they'd be crossing and typing and matching units of blood. <laughs> And just trying to flood it into him, right. <laughs> right? So, and just just to to re to reiterate for all y'all who already know, but the suffocating—if you can just imagine the pain just to have to try to breathe—on top of that, just the feeling of of not being able to breathe. And if you have if you're someone with asthma who's been through that, you know you can only imagine. So now what happens is he starts to have what's known as cardiac tamponade, which is fluid around his heart. Because his heart, because he's in heart failure and there's so much stress on the body that the sac around the heart, the pericardium, mm-hmm. is, starting to, is starting to fill with fluid. Okay. Which is known as cardiac tamponade, which just makes it impossible for the heart to beat pop properly. Okay. Because of the increasing physiological demands on Jesus' heart and the advanced state of, this is a word I'm going to try and pronounce, it says hemopericardium, it sounds bad. (laughs) It's basically what it is, is when um, blood and plasma start to gather in the space around the heart, Mm. also known as cardiac tamponade. It says Jesus eventually sustained cardiac rupture where his heart literally burst, that was probably the cause of death. Like, so medically speaking, that was the cause of death. So if you can imagine, just not heart stopped, heart burst. Then the slow process, to slow the process of death, I'm sorry, soldiers put a small wooden seat on the cross, which would allow Jesus the privilege, in quotes, of bearing his weight on his sacrum. The effect of this was that it would take up to nine days to die on a cross. Ugh. When the Roman soldiers wanted to, right? <laughs> right. When the Roman soldiers wanted to expedite death, they would simply break the legs of the victim, causing the victim to suffocate in a matter of minutes. Uh, they say this was called crucifragrum, which is just, yeah, just breaking the legs. Okay. So I'm going to stop there for a second. So we, we've, we've gone through all this stuff and talked about exactly clinically speaking what happened to this man. And uh, 
and now we come to the hour, three o'clock hour, where Jesus says, tie to last die, which means it is finished. So all of that to take care of our sins. And if you look at timeline, these are sins we haven't even thought of. <laughs> these are sins that, that, you know, Isla and Isaac and Reagan and Zoe and all of our kids and our kids' kids are going to do. Right. And their kids. Right. You know, just taken care of. Check written. All of that. This is a dude that knew a man. I shouldn't say dude. This was a man that knew that was going to happen. His whole mission here was for that. In the meantime, he just perfectly loved everybody. He didn't politically debate or put people on blast. He just healed people and talked to them. And when people were mad and argued against them, he would just give them a teaching and go on his way. And then for us, while we were, I love the, the scripture where it says, while we were still sinners, Jesus died and saved us, basically, is what it says. Right. So, just, I know this was a, uh, like a heavy podcast, but sometimes it just has to be. I think we're in a time right now in our world where all these little things are flashing by our eyes at Twitter pace, and they're making us mad and all this other nonsense. It's just you, to, to stop sometimes and think about this. Think about the sacrifice. And if you're not quite there yet, you don't understand, and you, you know you're going to hear this, hear us start this episode and maybe just pass it by. Like, I, I really, I urge you just to take the time. Take the time to listen to it. This is a, this is like, like I said from the beginning, this is like the most pinnacle moment for the believer. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. So I'm going to pull something up real quick and read it. It's a poem at the end of a poem called Dry Bones. And before, before you read that too, like I, you know, it's just all this just kind of rambling around in my head. Um, you know, it says he was bruised for our iniquities and he was... He right. bled for our transgressions. And when you break that down, you know, he, he was bru he bled inwardly bruising for everything that just that we are like imperfect on the inside. And then just our sinful nature, like just hum- humanity, but that he bled outward for every outward act that we would do. And so, you know, I guess just speaking to those that gosh, I'm just struggling with stuff that I, you know, maybe it's not, Hey, I'm not stealing from the store. I'm not, you know, beating my kids, you know, but I'm, I'm just coming against walls and things that I just feel like I'm never going to get past. Like I'm just struggling with this or this is always happening or my life just always seems to go this way. Like Christ died for all, all of the sin, all of the garbage, all of everything that would separate us from him. It's so much more, it's so much more, um, and Christ has done so much to take away every single thing that would come between us and him. It's just incredible. This went a little long, and sorry that I'm not necessarily <laughs> sorry, sorry. but not sorry. But, <laughs> but so I want to do, there's a, a spoken word. Uh, he's a rapper and a poet. His name's Micah Borns, but he, he, I'm not going to read the whole poem, just the last few okay. lines, because it really kind of captures what we've gone through, uh, what we've gone through and what we kind of read through and went over tonight. 
Um, but again, the poem's called Dry Bones, and, and I'll post it, the whole thing, maybe, on social media. But it, to me, it really, really captures it. And when we look at the world and, and what we see is injustice, which is, it is, I'm not taking away from the things that are happening here, but this, what it says is this, it says, the beautiful one, beaten beyond recognition, the most grotesque injustice ever committed is now our only source of hope. The word of God said, it is finished. It fell dead silent, and on the third day he spoke.